me just get set up here. I just want to just consider this topic because when we think about our life with God as a believer and we look at our schedule that we're facing, uh, we have like quite an amazing fall coming up. And when we look at our schedules, whether our life schedules or our work schedules or really with family, um, sometimes it can be quite crushing. Getting up early in the morning, uh, dealing with all the details you have to deal with with your family, and then getting everyone to school, getting everyone out the door to work. And I think that um, what can happen very often is that we can lose sight of that most important thing in our walk with God, and that is really guarding our heart. And when we guard our heart, this is a teaching that we grew up with in our church, and I I really love this teaching, guarding our heart. And for some of us, it might be new, this teaching, but when we think about guarding our heart, we are thinking about guarding that most precious thing that we have. Over half a million people a year die from heart disease and heart problems. The heart, physical heart, is really the center of, of our physiological entity, isn't it? Our, the condition of our heart really determines the condition of the rest of our body. It is really the source, life source in our physical body. And same with that on a spiritual level, our spiritual heart, that center of us is so important that it can be that many people suffer from spiritual heart problems. And many times when we lack motivation or when we lack Love, or when we are finding that we have really very little capacity for life, or we find that we just have like inner bitterness or just something that's happening on the inside, many times the problem is originating from the heart. Now, some of us may have grown up in a church, some of us may not have, but something that never changes in our life is having to guard our heart and having that every day part of our discipline. Because if we don't guard our heart, then what will happen is we just have no boundaries and we have no, no control in our life on a spiritual level. So I just want to start with Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And I just want to read a few verses about the heart. You know, uh, many times when we read this verse, we read it backwards for where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. But it's actually, we, it's the other way around. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when we think about where's my heart at today with God, where's my heart at with uh, my relationships, where's my heart at in reality? And we can determine that by just asking our, this, ourselves a simple question. What am I spending most of my time thinking about <coughs> What is, the, what is my thought space or my thought timeline or the amount of time I'm spending thinking on something? That is really what we worship. We're really worshiping the very thing that we're spending a lot of time on our thinking about. And that could actually be worry. It could actually be uh, fear. It could be in some kind of guiding fiction or some type of an imagination that... Um, we are putting out there as a goal in our life. Wherever our thoughts 
spend most of the time during the day is really where our treasure is. It's what we are valuing. And because we live in a society that's generally very negative, generally very pessimistic, very fearful, what we see very often happen is, is that we find ourselves worrying a lot. We spend a lot of time worrying about things. <coughs> How is this going to happen? How is that going to happen? And we find ourselves really stuck in a place of fear. And that is actually worship. Fear is negative worship. We know that, right? Um, whatever we are focusing on, whatever we're concentrating on, that really is worship. Uh, we like to define worship in our, in our church as uh, concentration. What am I concentrating on? What am I focusing on? Remember, and I don't want to get off topic here, remember back in the Old Testament when the Israelites were being bitten by snakes and they were dying and Moses went to God and said, this is in the book of Numbers, I believe, maybe that's actually a little earlier than that. Moses goes to God and says, uh, intervene, help. And God says, he says, he says, do this very strange thing. Take a brazen serpent, take, make a brazen, take a, uh, a brazen serpent, make a brazen serpent and put it on a pole and lift it up. And have the children of Israel come out and look at that pole. And when you're bitten by a snake, I've never been by a snake. I don't know if you guys have been bitten by a snake. It's not fun. I've been bitten, I've been bitten by gardener snakes, and we don't really have snakes in New England. Uh, but I've been bitten by them, and you know it's kind of painful. And you're looking at it all the time. You know, whenever you injure yourself, you're always looking at it. And if you're a parent, you're always looking at your kids' injuries. Maybe I don't know. Uh, you know, if there's a serious injury, you're really occupied with your child's injury. And so what the Israelites had to do was that they had to take their eyes off of the injury, off their children's injury, off their family's injuries, and look at this brazen serpent. And they had to do the same with their family and their friends and the other Israelites. They had to say, take your eyes off of the injury and look at the brazen serpent. And when they did, they were healed. Jesus, remember, in John chapter 3, associates that with what he was going to be doing on the cross. As the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And so we see this as a form of worship, that whatever our, the eye of our heart is focusing on is really what we're worshiping. And that's, a, that's an important point. Whatever we are focusing the eye of our heart at is what we're worshiping. And so whenever we want to know where our treasure is, what is the treasure in my life, we can actually determine that by looking at what am I spending most of my time thinking about. And I think that in the fall, uh, one thing that we can really be focusing a lot on is the details of life. You know, the details of life, my schedule, things that i got to get done. Some of us like that. Some of us like the, to eat details. I love details. I love, I like task lists. I, if you ever emailed things with me, you know that I like lists and bullet points and you know order. And my landlord said, I sent a I sent a list to him of just questions, and he goes, I got your email. It's like a lot of points there. <laughs> I'm just a little overwhelmed with my list. And I said, Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just um, a list person. We could actually worship the details of life. In Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-one is where your treasure is. That's where your heart will also be. The next verse is Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. 
And it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is, I believe, the B part of the verse. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So first of all, our heart is worshiping something. And in the morning, what we really have to do is really set our eyes on Jesus Christ. And uh, I like to get up early. I like to get up before everyone else is up. Because I like to get the eye of my heart on Jesus Christ. And then the second thing happens. Out of the mouth... Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is the abundance of the heart? What it just means that whatever is the, the flood of whatever I'm thinking about or whatever I'm meditating on or whatever is just really filling my heart at that moment is what my mouth is going to say. You know, whatever is going on in the heart is eventually going to be something that we say. It may take a few years. It may take a few minutes. But if something is in the middle of my heart, if something is in my heart, I'm eventually going to say it. And because the mouth is always going to eventually communicate what is in the heart. And so we look, that's why we come to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, which says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And I want to spend some time on this verse, keeping our heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Now, the King James says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know, that word issues or um, the spring uh, refers to a Hebrew word which, which, which points to the word that we would translate into English, border. Like the borders. What are the borders of life? And what are the extents? How far do we go? And really, what is happening in the heart determines the issues of my life. Um, during this series, I'm going to show you a picture of what I think the heart looks like. That it's, uh, The heart is actually like a tree that is planted in the ground. And that ground is, the roots of that ground is really could be des- described of what our heart is like. All the roots of our soul, all the... Um, all the uh, the, the depths of our, of our soul all originate in the heart. And so in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, our hearts are something we want to keep with all diligence. And because out of it spring the issues or the details of life, or it affects every area of my life. Yesterday I spoke with a man for almost three hours in Starbucks. We had a great fellowship guy that I had just met, and we were discussing this that a lot of Christianity really tries to work with the symptoms of, of, of sin. Sin is just symptoms. A lot of times you go to a church and you listen to messages and they're talking about managing the symptoms of a spiritual disease. And that doesn't help. Like, you know, and that is really our culture, isn't it? Dealing with the symptoms of issues like pain management. You hear that term, pain management. Manage your pain. And, you know, when I had a pretty bad back injury... Um, uh, my doctor told me, he said, pain is a good thing. Pain tells you that something's wrong. Pain tells you that there is a deeper problem. Uh, Sin is the same thing. Sin is just a sign of something that is much deeper going on in our hearts. In Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus said, when he talked about the Beatitudes, for example, a man that hates his brother or says something against his brother has already in his heart murdered him. Jesus takes in Matthew chapter 5, we know the Beatitudes, 
And he takes the law and he takes it much, much deeper. Jesus is not coming in and excusing the law, but he's taking it to something much, much deeper. Jesus is taking the external behavior of what the law forbids and brings it to an inner an inner focus on where is our heart? Where is the heart at? And so the heart is really the center of it all. When, when we look at, when, you know, we live in a world that is just so filled with addiction and just trouble. When we, when we look at this world, many times it's easy for us to get, in First in Samuel 16, verse 7, it's easy for us to get occupied with the wrong thing. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. It's probably one of the most profound verses in the Bible. That God is looking at the heart. And I think how often has it happened in our lives that, you know, our heart was in one place, but maybe the activity came out in a different way. And maybe it got improperly communicated. Or we find ourselves saying, you know, I'm sorry, but that wasn't really my heart in the matter. I was thinking about something else, and it kind of came out wrong. I'm sorry. Well, God's looking at the heart. And when we look at problems that people have, problems that we have, um, many times we're trying to deal with the symptoms. We're trying to deal with something that has already been dealt with. Now, Jesus already dealt with sin. How much time are we spending focusing on dealing with something that God has already dealt with? This is a very important part of what I'm saying this morning, is that we are very moral creatures because of, just, because of our conscience, the way we were built, and also because of a lot of underlying guilt that has not yet been resolved. And so many times we're focusing on things like, okay, God, I'm sorry I did that. God, help me not to do that. Uh, this person did that to me. They did this. And we get really occupied with what is being done. When God is like saying, that's a conversation that was settled 2,000 years ago. What you did today or what you will do next year or what you did two years ago or two minutes ago, is something that's already been covered by the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, when we think about us as servants, as a team, as a group of individuals, that, you know, with our vision to start a church in March, to launch a church, the first thing the devil's going to do is he's going to come at you. <laughs> he's going to come right at you, and he's going to try to disqualify you in your own eyes. You ever feel that way? Mm-hmm. Try being a pastor. <laughs> you know whoa you know I mean how many times you think and I'll be honest with you I mean you know as a pastor you know devil's always in your face and he's always saying how can you be a pastor and you know and that you know how can you be that and the answer is 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 Ephesians chapter 2 I've been made a minister according to the what grace the gift of the grace of God right you know, I imagine Paul the Apostle, he must have had, like, if he had a house or an apartment, he must have had diplomas hanging, right? I think that was probably the biggest diploma that he had. Ephesians chapter 2. I've been made a minister according, is it, verse, is it chapter 3, verse 9? I, I don't remember. I've been made a minister according to the grace of God. I've been made a mother by the, grace, by the gift of the grace of God. I've been made a husband by the gift of the grace of God. It's like... That is where we begin. That's our zero point in our Christianity. That's our platform. Before our feet hit the floor in the morning, we have to understand that we are a success with God, that God is already happy with us, and that we're not trying to make him happier. That's so many Christians are trying to make God happier. Like, God, that I would make you happy today, as if 
God would be depressed if I didn't do a good job in my walk with him. And so our heart is that part of us that really needs to be guarded with our thought life. And that's why the heart needs to be, in the next verse, established in the grace of God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, it says, Be not carried about with various and strange doctrines. Now, why is that in there? Why is that the first part of the verse? Well, it's because the following part of the verse, it is good that the heart be established by grace, is telling us that if our heart is not established by the grace of God, by the non-meritorious love and finished work of Jesus Christ, if our heart's not established in the fact that God wants to work in our life and bless us despite us, if that's not what our thinking and our heart's established in, then we're going to be carried about with just various different kinds of teachings and psychological things and just the way we, the way we feel emotionally. Be not carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it's good that the heart be established in grace. And guess what? That is where we are at all of our life. Until the day we die, God's going to have to keep establishing our hearts in grace. That, you know what? I don't deserve a peanut from God. But he has given me so much. He's given me, in, in, Roman, in Romans chapter 12, it says, Romans chapter 11, Verse 32, it says, If God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, will he not give us freely? I like that's a grace word right there. That's a grace vocabulary word, freely. Remember in school you had to learn vocabulary words, how to spell things. And to, I don't know, back in the day we had to learn how to, we had, that's when we had to write things. We had to write down the word and then write down the definition. Then we had to use it in a sentence. We call them vocabulary words. And this is a grace vocabulary word. And God wants our heart established in grace. Because you know what? If we are trying to serve God out of a half-empty cup, or if our cup is not full, then we're going to be running on empty, and we're going to be giving people something that's not Christ. And that is why we have to be filled in the morning. That's why we have to be, you know, ask God for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Say, God, just fill me today. You know, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's not something that we have to pray for. That happens at the point of salvation. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit is something that happens many times during the day. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Our mind needs to be renewed. In Ephesians 4, verse 23, renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, the heart is that part of us that is really the center. And if we're not changing the oil in our car, then the engine's going to stop. Um, some of us know Pastor Shabelli, and I was riding back with him from a woman's Bible study he took me to in uh, Hartford County in Maryland. And as we're driving back, he had this old van from like a 1987 van, and he just never fixed it, just drove it, drove it, drove it. And, uh, you know, all the dials on his dashboard just like jump, all the lights come on, the car just starts shaking, and there's no power. We just kind of drift over to the emergency lane. And the AAA comes. And they're like, sir, you don't have any oil in your car. You don't have any water in your radiator. And he was like, you know, your brake, you have no brake fluid. He said, what are you, you know, what is wrong with this? What is wrong with you? <laughs> and that's what happens when we just run on empty. We need to be filled and we need to be established in the grace of God that like in the center of my life needs to be established in the fact that God is for me. 
You know, God is for me, and that it's not about performance. And we really stress that here. And so what I want to just say this morning is, is that it could be very easy for us to get on some kind of a performance trip and not just give our heart to God. And this is Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26. It says, my son, give me your heart. What's God want from us today? My good works, my good confession. No, God first wants our heart. Because the second part of that verse says this, my son, give me your heart, for, and then you will observe my ways. Isn't that beautiful? If you give me your heart, then you're going to just observe my ways. I was talking to a guy this week, and he said, because three or four times in my life, I can just see where I was just so, so afraid to respond to the call of God in my life. And he said that many times. He said after a few times when God came to him and spoke to him about a calling in his life, and he said, no, I'm afraid. And I ran off. He said, that's when I hit, just went downhill and crashed and just had so many issues in my life. And I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing this. And I said, well, what are you afraid of? And he said, I'm afraid of failure. And I said, guess what? We're all in the same boat. We are all afraid to fail. We're all afraid to be in a place where we don't do a good job. When we are in an environment of God's grace, an environment of God's love, an environment of God's promises, an environment of God's word, and his, his, uh, his presence, then we're not afraid of failure. We are just ready just to jump out there and to take steps of faith and see what God can do. Because failure really is defined in the Bible as not something that we're unable to do. Failure means that we just stop receiving the grace of God. That's what, that's what Paul said to the, to the Galatians. He said, you are failing the grace of God. doesn't mean that that verse doesn't talk about us losing our salvation. It just means that I am missing an opportunity to receive something that's free by grace in my life. So I just want to draw an illustration, and then I want to close. And it's on the back of your bulletins here. And maybe we could just start with this. Is that We did this Wednesday, and then uh, this week is going to be at our house. We're going to, by the way, if you bring kids, there's going to be a pool there. So we can, we're going to have a good time doing that. Um, and there's, there's what we call here, what I like to call uh, the three life leaves. And um, uh, I don't know a lot of history about the symbol, so forgive me if there's some bad meaning in it. So we're going to sanctify that today. But I just want to use this because there, this is a symbol that we can use to describe <coughs> three aspects of life and how they are pulled together and how they are kept together. And the first, the first leaf is really the leaf of what we call family. And each leaf here represents something. And, you know, when we look at the three big parts of our life, one of those parts is family. Think about our family, you know, if we're kids or if we're parents or, you know, siblings. Family is really big. That's a lot. There's a lot going on in our family every day, isn't there? It's in our minds. It's happening. We're very busy. There's a lot of things happening with that. The second leaf is our work. It's our career. And maybe if we're not working, maybe we are a pastor or a minister or in some way we are ministering. That is really like where I'm working or where I'm exerting my, my creative energy. And then the third thing is, um, is personal life, our personal life. That is part of us where it, it deals with our health. It deals with what we're reading. It deals with what our hobbies are, deals with um, our personal, you know, our personal preferences, our personal life. Um, 
how I want to be, where I want to be in a few years, my personal goals, my personal vision, um, you know, what I'd like to see happen in my personal life. And there are these three things, and I'm sure there's other things, but these are like the three main things that uh, can describe the three large categories of our life. And so when we... But, you know, without God and without understanding our inner life with God, this remains empty, this inner part. We see this inner part, we could use three circles, we could use many different shapes. But these three leaves meet at one point, and that one point is really the center of our life, and that's what we're talking about here this morning. That is our heart. Our heart is the center, really, of, and I don't usually use illustrations like this, so please don't be... Um, Please don't be, uh, um, don't feel like that this is a class or a self-improvement course. But our heart really is the center of everything that we do. And this heart, in many ways, is affecting every area of our life. And I don't know if I have this here, but I do. Our heart is affecting our family, it's affecting our work, and it affects our personal life. The condition of my heart. If my heart is right with God, if my heart is established in grace, then it's going to impact my personal life. It's going to impact the way I think about my health, the way I impact about my personal discipline, about my reading habits, what my personal convictions are about what I'm looking at. Um, it's going to affect my family. If my heart is, is established in the grace of God, it's going to put me in a place where I can have heart in my family, where I can have uh, God's heart in my family. And then the third is work in my ministry and in the air, every area of my career. And without heart, we just function as like just dry people. Remember that song way back in the day? I know some of us older guys will probably remember Keith Green, his song that he sang, My Eyes Are Dry and My Heart Is Cold. This is a message in, you know, I'm going to do in a couple of weeks, but but like our heart can get just so so dry this world steals our energy out of our heart it's making a bid for our heart uh, this world is making a bid for the hearts of our kids of our parents of each other of our siblings of those people that we love very much and so this picture here is a picture of how our heart affects every area of our life now i want to take this picture and i want to zoom out a little bit okay so we have this this illustration of the heart and our life leaves. But then there's another aspect of our heart and there's another aspect of our life. And this is a circle, like this circle can really be in a, a circle of that sphere of influence, that area of, that, that area of our life that people see and that when they come into our personal space, they see our heart or they see the lack of heart or they see the lack of heart or the heart of God. And this circle really is like the boundary. And this is what this verse in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 is saying, that the heart, out of the heart comes the issues or the borders of life. And so we live in these borders here, and these borders are like what we perceive, like our five senses. Now today, if we were to say, okay, how far can, how, 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 how far can we see right now? Well, we can only really see in the limits of the walls, right? We can't see what's happening in the lobby. Maybe we can hear what's happening there. Um, maybe we can hear a little bit of what's happening on the street, but we're very limited, aren't we? And this really is a place where we can find ourselves very often in the plan of God. 
is that we don't see things happening. And when we look at our needs, when we look at our financial needs, when we look at our personal needs, when we look at our needs for work or for our family, many times we can just be so stuck in this circle, right? Like, like you know, like maybe we think, I'm a dad, and I don't know if I can give my kids what they need. I don't know if you've ever thought that way. Maybe I'm a mom, or maybe I'm a, maybe I'm at work in my ministry or my career demands something from me that I don't feel like I can produce. You ever feel that way? I have. When you're starting something new, and I think that we could feel that way here, is that, wow, you know, I don't know if I have what it takes. You ever feel that way? <laughs> Nobody? Okay, maybe I'm the only one here. <laughs> but you feel like, okay, I don't know. If, you know, Johnny comes to do worship today, his voice is kicking out, and he's thinking probably, I don't know if I got what it takes to do this worship today. But he shows up by faith, and he does it. And we all sing. <laughs> this is what happens here. This is what we see, the extent of what we perceive. We can't really see beyond this circle. We can't really see beyond this. But you know what's really awesome? And this is what we talked about Wednesday night. I'm going to zoom out a little bit more. We see the unseen hand of God that's moving on our behalf beyond what we can see. Like that picture of the hand? Yes. <laughs> My wife does. I really searched for that for a long time. The unseen hand of God in our life. You know, when we moved here to Texas and we were coming here to visit, I kind of, and we talked with the Lions about this a lot and with, with, um, with Johnny's family, is that it seemed like God was doing things beyond our sphere of perception, beyond what we could, we could perceive, you know. A need would come up and we'd be like, well, we need this. And then someone knows someone and we make a phone call and we find out that that contact is in a place in their life where they're just ready to serve God. I mean, it's just amazing. The unseen hand of God is working beyond the perception of what, beyond, beyond the extent of what we perceive. So I don't want to get too complicated, but this is the way God normally works. And the way God normally works is what we call miracles. For God, it's just this modus operandi. We think, wow, that's so miraculous. But it's miraculous for us because it's just beyond our five senses. It's beyond our perception. Let's bring this to a practical level. Maybe you and I are in a place today where we feel very limited where we're at. We feel like, I don't know what's going to happen in this situation. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do for the needs. I don't know what, 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 what's going to happen. We just need to remember that outside of our circle of perception is an unseen hand. God is working and he's doing something and down the road, that hand is going to poke through into our circle of perception. We'd be like, whoa, God did something. That's a miracle. And God's like saying, well, that's not a miracle. That's just the normal way I work. <laughs> what is our job? Our, our job is to keep our heart with all diligence. Maybe we can't see what's going on but we're in this circle. Maybe we kind of feel like sometimes it's closing in on us. But all we have to do is just keep our heart. I'm going to close with this. Keep your heart with all diligence. What that means is, is that I, in the center of my life here, in this inner sanctuary with God, this hidden part of my life that no one sees my heart, I'm thinking with God. I'm intentionally deciding to think God's thoughts about my life rather than my own natural thoughts or someone else's thoughts. 
And that's important to understand that our heart's established in grace. Meaning that in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it's one of my favorite verses, one of our life verses, and, and maybe you know this verse, probably you do. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says that my thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not evil. That you may have a future, that you may have an expected end. That, that tells us tells us that God's not thinking evil thoughts about us today. God's not sitting in heaven living in levels of disappointment by us. God is not disappointed today. Did you ever talk to someone who's disappointed in your performance? That feeling that you have? Well, God is not that way. God, God is not disappointed in us today because Jesus finished the work and his thoughts towards us today are thoughts of peace. God's not unresolved in his mind about what he thinks about us today. God's not struggling in his mind like, well, what should I think about that? Or, you know, they just said that and I thought this is what was going on. You, you know, you ever been in a situation where you think you know someone and then they say something and you're like, whoa, I didn't know that's where they were at, you know? And then you're like, whoa, you know, I'm just so disappointed. <clears throat> well, God is not disappointed in us. His thoughts are peace. Thoughts of peace. Meaning that he's quietly secure in his love towards us today. And this is really where we need to start, where our heart gets established in our relationships. When our, when, when we, in our relationships, if we are receiving from God his thoughts towards us, then we start getting God's thoughts for other people. And then we can say things to people that are really God's mind. And they're like, whoa, how did you know that? You know, that was so perfect for me. You know, whenever I meet with people, I always just pray. You know, I did this yesterday at Starbucks before I went, and I sat in my car for a minute, and I said, God, I'm just going to be meeting with this guy, and I just want to have your minds. I don't want to give him my natural opinion about things, you know. And when I did that, I went in, and it was just such a great meeting. And so I want to finish with this, is that this week, this fall, this season, Think intentionally about the grace of God. Think intentionally about the finished work. Think intentionally about your position in Christ. Don't get wrapped up with the outside the, the, the parameter of what you perceive. Don't get wrapped up in the symptoms of sin. Don't get wrapped up in the things that are not right. Start at the root of the matter, and that's the heart. And say, God, you know, this is wrong in my life. That's wrong in my life. I don't have patience. I don't have this. I don't have that. And we say, okay, I've got to be more patient. And if you go to some moral circles, you're going to hear messages about behavior. But it's like with God, God just wants to deal with the heart. He wants to get our heart established in grace. And when that happens, then everything else, my life, my personal life, my family, my work, that's all going to be impacted by my heart that's right with God. And then from there, I'm in a place where I can really see God God's invisible hand work in my life. Amen? So I'm just going to close with that. Kind of a fun message, but let's just close in prayer.